ball. Hits it off the facing of the second deck. No doubt about it. Only three hits in the inning. Scored six runs, but there were three walks. Three walks, three hits. Walks will kill you every time. A full house waiting for Allen as he came home with the winning run. The Tigers score six in the ninth to beat the Yankees seven to six. Welcome to the Be Legendary podcast. I'd like to welcome our very special guest today. Uh, absolutely needs no introduction, Alan Trammell. Alan, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Gary. Uh, what you got for me? <laughs> well, I want, let's start out. I want, first of all, I want this interview to be something that you've never, uh, nobody's ever asked you before, something completely different. And I think it's going to uh, go that way. Let's go back to 1975, Kearney High School. Uh, when the uh, CIA championship, uh, Alan Trammell was voted uh, first team, all CIF. Uh, tremendous honor, uh, considered the best point guard in San Diego and, and uh, literally probably Southern California. And, and at that time, and I got to tell you, you know, Alan and I were teammates on that team. I had no idea the skill level you had in baseball. And uh, I, I don't know if too many other people did too, but Let's go back, uh, all CIF, then you go into baseball. Uh, talk, talk about after uh, the basketball season, going into baseball, where your uh, uh, mind was uh, going into that. Well, first of all, I want to just think back and kind of uh, reminisce a little bit about that championship. <laughs> uh, even though I became a professional baseball player and happened to get on at one world championship, uh, and then a few years ago, be uh, inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, that's something that uh, none of us will ever forget. I mean, at the time, it was as big as it was going to get for you. I mean, we played at the San Diego Sports Arena, which was the, the venue um, uh, there in San Diego. There was nothing bigger. And to do that on the biggest stage and, you know, to be able to come out a winner is something that, uh, as I'm talking, uh, you know, I'm kind of recollecting and just thinking back to some of the some of the highlights uh, on what a group and what a team and, and, and really what an era that we had at Kearney High. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we won a, a few championships. I know your your brother uh, happened to go to the finals there. I know they did not win, but uh, a team when I was a sophomore um, was undefeated. Then when we were when I was a senior, uh, you're a little younger. Uh, we won a championship. And then a few years later. Uh, Kearney High won another basketball championship. So uh, those were good times for, for our high school in, in, in not only basketball, but some of the other sports. Um, but really, when I think about that and, and when we won, uh, I, you know, we went to, we had already started our baseball season uh, of my senior year. And the baseball coach happened to have a son uh, that was a couple of years ahead of me as well. But he understood the kind of the difference. And he told me earlier on in that year, he said, don't worry about baseball until you get done with basketball. And I thought that was very helpful. And I think it eased me when I went, did go into baseball that uh, I have to get off to a good start. Uh, but I think it all, you know, reflecting back on the hoops, man, that, that, was, uh, that was something that was huge. I mean, basketball in high school was much bigger than baseball, at least, you know, in the city schools where we went to as far as, attendance at all but I, again I look back on that very fondly and that, that was kind of the stepping stone of you know of how my career started in baseball uh, absolutely so uh baseball season at what what point 
during the baseball season, or maybe even prior to that, did you know that you had a chance to be drafted uh, <laughs> high in the draft? Well, again, um, things have changed so much, Gary, over the years. I mean, we're talking, you know, 45 years ago where there's no, you know, uh, magazines and publications, uh, printing, no ESPN, no news channels projecting and, you know, talking about where guys are going to be drafted. Uh, Coach Taylor, Jack Taylor, um, had we had talked and, and there were scouts coming around. So I wasn't naive enough because when you think back at Kearney High, we had just a backstop with a little bleacher. It wasn't like we had grandstand. So when the scouts came to see me or anybody else, they were standing right that right there by the by the cage and they stood out like a sore thumb. They got a stopwatch. You know, they got their hats on. I mean, they, they kind of stand out, to be honest with you. So I knew that they were looking at me, but, uh, you know, I didn't really, uh, really realize you know, how much they were looking at me. So Coach Taylor had mentioned to me that, you know, you're probably going to get drafted. Um, so I had my mind, OK, I'm going to get drafted. But there was no there was no talk about how high you were going to go. I thought I was going to go, you know, 20, 30th round, whatever it may be. And I was planning on going to school like, you know, at that point, And just like most kids, even today, you know, your parents encourage you to get the education. So I had signed a letter of intent to go to UCLA just to play baseball, not basketball, but baseball. Um, and then lo and behold, after having, a, you know, a, a very good senior year in baseball, uh, I was drafted in the second round, not the 20th or 30th round. So if you can imagine, you know, here's a kid that, you know, I was dreaming about playing professional sports from from way back but I thought I'd gonna go to college first before that happened but then when they drafted me that high I have to honestly admit that you know I started to think well they must like me <laughs> we will be right back after today's little ditty hi this is hug for today's little ditty this one is particularly personal for me and a privilege because Alan Trammell and I just happened to share the same alma mater Kearney High School in San Diego, California. Alan was a two-sport phenom, basketball, first-team All-CIF, and, of course, legendary baseball great. He graced our high school because, number one, he has the biggest it factor ever. Number two, he possessed an inner determination, mental toughness, and an understanding of the game that I, I would have to hire Eric Spolstra to break it down for me. He was a natural leader, unselfish, and shared his ability which benefited everybody in his past. But make no mistake, this boy came to play, so you better be ready. So ultimately, perfecting the two sports, the decision of which sport to go to became perfectly clear upon graduation. He was drafted second round by the Detroit Tigers. Allen spent only one year with their farm team when at 18 years old, yes, 18 years old, he made his debut with the big boys at Fenway Park. After an unprecedented 19 years with the same ball club, and this is the part I love, this sent a message perfectly loud and clear to all those young whippersnappers with fire in their bellies thinking that you have any chance of knocking the king off his mountain, off his throne, don't even. And uh, now looking back, this train, his train, was on the fast track, class act, badass, Get on board or get out of the way because it's not stopping. And I think that pretty much says it all. And finally, a shout out to his significant other, the wind beneath his wings, Barbara KHS, high school sweetheart Leverett. So much respect to you too.
and thank you so much. Let's get back to our talk with legendary Alan Trammell. Yes. Um, well, the fact, again, when the, when they drafted me in the second round, I, I really started, my mind started gearing towards, you know, turning professionally. And I was able to convince my parents that they knew that was my dream and my love. Um, and uh, lo and behold, you know, they sent me off. The Tigers rookie ball team was, uh, was in Bristol, Virginia quite a long distance uh, from San Diego and a kid that uh, had never been past Los Angeles. Uh, it was quite a culture shock for me to, <laughs> to go back and see green trees and rain and hills and things like that, that uh, was quite, I wasn't accustomed to, but uh, you know, I was able to make the adjustments and uh, slowly but surely, you know, make my way up, uh, you know, to Detroit. But uh, there was quite a few things that, that happened uh, along the way but uh you know i'll go ahead and let you ask your next question okay. maybe it'll lead into something else well well uh before i get to, and i do have another question about that but before i get into that before you got drafted uh, in the second round right, you, right. you signed a letter of attempt with ucla were you thinking right. about talking to them uh maybe playing basketball at ucla as well <laughs> <laughs> well you know what the bat you know in the back of my mind i was but you know um the year before, John Wooden had just won his uh, uh, last championship there at UCLA. Uh, they had a tremendous run. I think that uh, most people know, but some of the younger younger people, the younger generation, don't realize that UCLA won 10 championships in 12 years. Um, and uh, John Wooden's last championship was actually at that same San Diego sports arena the year before we won our CIF championship. So those were great memories, and I loved basketball. Um, you know, as a young boy growing up, you know, baseball was my first love, but I fell in love with basketball shortly thereafter. And whatever sport was in season was really my favorite. And I did mm -hmm. enjoy basketball is just, just as much as baseball during that, during my youth. Um, so in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, UCLA and all that, and Bill Walton and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, before before he became, uh, uh, well, he was Lou Alcindor before that. So I wanted to go there and, and, and play, but I knew that uh, that was a little bit out of my league. I went there strictly to play baseball. Who knows what might have happened if I would have walked on. But uh, really the story is, is that I went there to play baseball. They had offered me a full ride to go there to, just to play baseball alone. Uh -huh. But I was still a basketball player, still in my own mind. But, you know, uh, as good a high school player as myself or maybe some of the others, that's a that's a quite a step up. But who knows what would have happened, Gary? Uh, wow. but I went to really, really what my point was, is that I really went to UCLA uh, with part of that being that I loved UCLA basketball. Uh -huh. and go hand in hand. Even if I didn't play, I could have went to Pauley Pavilion and watched the games there and just been a part of uh obviously the UCLA tradition. So uh, that had a big part of me of, of, you know, signing that letter of intent, but lo and behold, that didn't happen. Um, but uh, again, UCLA was always, was number one for me uh -huh. as far as colleges. You know, uh, and you know this, Alan, but there's so many players or athletes that are in the same situation, two sports star in high school. And we talked about that, that really uh, from seems like today, there's a lot more than there were back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, someone coming off a basketball career like you had, that, that's a career that only 
most players or most kids dream about. So you get done first team off CIF, win a championship. You know, that's hard to forget or that's hard to drop. And I know that, you know, some of the players that are in the situation now uh, are first team, you know, all state or, you know what I mean? So, so they, they, you know, are struggling with this decision. Now they didn't get drafted number two in the, the major league draft, but, and I want to get into uh, that and your opinion on that, but I want to have one other question. When you got sent to, uh, with Detroit, was that? Did you get sent to the rookie league, or did they put you got, to two A right, right away? No, no, I got sent to rookie ball, which is the lowest level um, that they have. Um, oh. And um, you know, I was 18 years old, and um, you know, it's an adjustment. Um, first of all, to go to a level, and they've made some adjustments. Again, you're talking, you know, 45 years ago about the kind of player and the age that can go to a rookie ball back then it was, it was fairly difficult. It, it wasn't as difficult for me and there were a couple of reasons, but so for some of these kids that were from smaller towns, when they, they were stars, wherever they were from, whether it be whatever state it may be, there's good athletes everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, but they weren't used to playing maybe against certain competition and things like that. But when they got to rookie ball, along with myself, there was college, you know, 50 year seniors, that were going. So you're talking about sometimes uh, kids, the high school kids were 17, 18 years old. Some of these college seniors were 22, 23 years old. That's a huge age difference. And so those guys intimidated uh, oftentimes and thought they should be playing. But the fact is now in professional baseball, a lot of times, unfortunately, I'm just being truthful that those guys that were older were there to fill a roster spot and the younger kids were there to more develop into possibly, you know, becoming major league players. But the fact that they were intimidated, those kids sometimes stunted their growth and they never developed the way they thought or should have. For me, um, I guess, you know, for some reason, just my inner confidence, um, not that I was dominating by no means, but I always felt like I belonged and I held my own. And, um, you know, that's how I, uh, I'm looking back on it that, uh, you know, I did okay. I didn't do great, but I did fine. Um, but other guys that, uh, that really, you know, never got really started. They never really got their careers going and, you know, lo and behold, you know, every sport has a draft every year. So there's new talent coming in every year. So if you're a drafty this year, within a couple of years, if you don't do anything, you're now kind of a suspect and other prospects now come in and take your spot. And that's just the reality of professional sports or major college sports. That's just how it is. So for, fortunately for me, I was able to, uh, again, handle that situation where I know that there was quite a few of the players they didn't. And that was one of the reasons why that kind of helped me along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, again, that was just kind of that going back to my basketball days, I think that that helped, you know, being a little tougher, you know, playing that sport, being the point guard and all that good stuff, I really believe helped me in my baseball career. Uh-huh. Now, uh, I, I was looking, you got, you were sent there in 77, correct? Uh, to, I, I think it was, or no, no. 76, 1976 and, and, was the year and, I graduated and they sent me. So the story is, is that I graduated from high school on a Friday. And in California, sometimes in this particular year, in 76, we graduated like around the 19th or 20th of June. Mm. 
Yeah. And so the next day, Saturday, I had been selected to play in a California State All-Star game, the North versus the South. And at the time, that year, they rotated the game, but it was at Anaheim Stadium there where the Angels play. And that meant a lot to me. That game had been played for years, and I really wanted to play in that game. So I didn't sign technically until after that game was over, knowing that when I did, I was going to be on a plane Monday morning. So I graduate from high school on a Friday. I play in this game on Saturday. And Monday morning, I'm on a flight to Bristol, Virginia. Now, there's no direct flights to Bristol, Virginia. you got to take a couple connect, connecting flights. And the season started the very next day. So I really didn't get a chance. They usually bring in the guys, you know, five days to a week prior to that to work out and get ready. So I showed up basically the morning of the first game and without knowing anybody, meeting anybody, and that's just kind of how I was thrown into the fire. But again, I was able to make that adjustment and just, uh, you know, I wanted to play baseball. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was that was an, an adjustment. Again, playing baseball, you know, every day now for your living compared to, uh, you know, just playing a few times a week and that kind of thing. There's a huge adjustment. But again, fortunately, I was able to, you know, hold my own and, and mentally strong enough. And, and I got better, believe me, I wasn't mentally strong enough to make it, you know, yet. But again, I just had, I guess, that little something extra uh, from within that allowed me to, whatever the competition was in whatever sport, I was always able to hang. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that was that little, that inner, inner drive that I think, you know, obviously the good ones you have to have. And, uh, Fortunately, that was something that I had, you know, from when I was younger. And then some of the high school coaching, you know, Coach Short, the one that we played for at Kearney High, I mean, he was outstanding. And he really set the tone along with Coach Taylor, the baseball coach, and a few others that, that helped me, you know, uh-huh. get tougher and practice the right way and have the discipline and all those kinds of things that, you know what, if you're going to be successful, I know people sometimes they don't want to hear it, but. There's got to be sacrifices. You've got to have, you know, a little something, that little inner drive that, 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 you know, that, that kind of lights your fire uh, to uh-huh. get you to motivate you to continue to play at a high level. And, uh, you know, again, there was, there was quite a few people that I felt helped me along the way. I think, again, I think, you know, a lot of the athletes, they obviously have some of that, but there's people that help you and they push the right buttons, you know, to help you, you know, get right. out of you quicker. And uh, uh-huh. I do feel very, very good. And, and, and I, you know, I know that there was quite a few people that helped me along the way. Uh-huh. Uh, absolutely. Now, one thing, so you, you ended up uh, there, Rookie League. Uh, how long went by until you were brought up to the Tigers? And I believe you started your first game, if I'm not mistaken. Well, you were brought here's, up. here's how the story went, Gary, is that, first of all, I, I have to make sure I uh, – I mentioned this because this is, again, I mean, we want to be truthful and I just want to be, you know, open to your, to your, to our fan, your fans that are listening. Um, Being in the right place at the right time is very helpful. And so when I came into the Tiger organization in 1976, the Tigers had come off the year before it had the worst record in baseball Um, at the time they used to rotate. So now if we would have had the worst record in baseball that year, the next year, we would have had the first pick. Well, back in that, those days, they rotated the American and the national league with the first pick. 
So technically, the Tigers should have had the first pick in 1976, but we had the second because the National League at the time, Houston was in the National League. They got the first pick. So then the Tigers had the second, blah, blah, blah. So we go through the first round, and then we come right around, and the Houston picked their guy in the second round. And the Tigers, again, had the second pick. They picked me. So um, actually, at the time, there was only 24 teams. Again, this is going back a ways. So I was actually the 26th player taken, you know, in the country. Um, so I go into the, you know, into our organization and, you know, I don't know this then, but I know it now looking back, they were looking for young players to develop, to bring up to the major leagues. So, you know, I was holding my own, but I wasn't the only one um, that they kind of fast track. So my best, my biggest break was in 76. I'm playing rookie ball and I'm there about six weeks since the first week of August. And there's a, uh, the double-A team now. This is, you know, there's rookie ball, A-ball, double-A, triple-A, the big leagues. Um, they called me up to double-A, which was in Montgomery, Alabama. And I'm, like, scratching my head, like, why didn't they take the guy mm -hmm. from A-ball? I, I still don't know that answer, but, the, but the, what, what happened was is they brought me up. So I'm there basically a month and I was supposed to get only be there two weeks and send me back to Bristol. But the shortstop had hurt his back. He didn't heal up. And so I got to play the last month of the season with double A. And we ended up winning the Southern League Championship. I'm still 18 years old, just a couple months out of high school. That's, incre but that, that's incredible. That put me ahead of a few kids and, uh, you know, other players in our organization. And then after we won, I didn't hit that well, but I played good defense and I, I held my own and, you know, I contributed. And so we go to instructional ball, you know, uh, a week later, it's mid-September. And this is when I meet my second base partner that I played with for 19 years named Lou Whitaker. Uh, they put us together. That's where I met, you know, Jack Morse had been drafted that year out of college. He was at Montgomery with us. Uh, we went there, another catcher by the name of Lance Parrish, who was a really, really good player for a long time, and others. Um, we all congregated in Lakeland um, and uh, had our instructional league. And uh, next year, we went to double-A, Lou and I did, and we won the championship again. And again, because the Tigers weren't doing that well, they decided to call Lou and I up together at the same day um, up to the big leagues. So it's September of 77. So now I'm what a year and a few months removed from Kearney. Uh, yep. I'm now playing in the major leagues and, uh, unbelievable. And, and I was able to stay, uh, you know, played the last month and did okay. Again, I held my own, you know, and, uh, got some experience and Lou Whitaker was with me side by side. Um, and then the next year, 1978, um, we're supposed to go to triple a, uh, and Ralph Halk at the time, that was before Sparky Anderson had even come in, uh, decided that uh, he wanted to take Lou and I because we were we were rebuilding, that he wanted to take the kids. And sure. they took a couple other guys as well. But Lou and I being the you know double play combination, um, we got to play on a regular basis starting, you know, really from the end of 77 through, you know, 1995. That was when Lou retired, and I had, ended up playing one more year through 1996. So a lot of things happened in between there, Gary, but the fact is, is that Lou and I were linked together, will be linked forever. Um, and I hope that Absolutely. one day that he'll make it to the Hall of Fame, which I do believe will happen. Uh, 
I was fortunate that mm-hmm. two years ago or three years ago in, in, in 18, when I was inducted, as I mentioned, that I went in with a teammate named Jack Morris, uh, who was mm-hmm. uh, very, very worthy as well. But uh, we're hoping that Lou Whitaker, my sidekick, uh, gets into the Hall mm-hmm. of Fame here soon as well. Right. If I'm not mistaken, uh, in 76, didn't the Tigers draft three Hall of Famers? Well, you, Morrison. They did, but the uh, the other one didn't sign with us. But this is a true story in the seventh round. Uh, I was drafted in the second round. Jack Morris was drafted in the fourth round. And somebody by the name of Ozzie Smith was drafted by the Tigers in the seventh round. But he didn't sign with us. He went back to college for his last year. And the Padres mm-hmm. ended up drafting him the next year. And I think we all know the story about Ozzy. But, yeah, he, they, the, the Detroit Tigers drafted three Hall of Famers in 1976. Yes, they did. That, that's got to be unheard of. It I is. don't know if that's ever been done before. Uh, it hasn't. But, it hasn't. That's uh, pretty cool. I hope the league scout got a big raise after that draft. <laughs> <laughs> well, Absolutely. This, uh, the, the scout that signed me and Jack Morris um, – was with a few other organization and he signed oh, approximately 80, 85 major league players, which is uh, one of the tops in baseball history. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago, but he did get a chance to see me play in the big leagues along with Jack a few times. And uh, I give him a lot of credit because back in, again, when I was telling you in 1976, you know, things were quite different. Um, you know, he was coming from LA, coming down to see me, um, I didn't know. I didn't even. I hadn't even met him before I signed, to be honest with you. But apparently, they were doing their homework, and uh, it worked out pretty good for both of us, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Now, uh, people that don't know you uh, are, are going to uh, probably want, wonder the same thing. But if you take the, the three big sports: uh, NBA, uh, NFL, Major League Baseball. In my opinion. Uh, if you're a rookie, well, you're 18 years old. Mm-hmm. To 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 uh, a different playing in the NBA and the NFL if you're 18 as opposed to baseball. And the reason why is you got uh, you can kind of be hidden in those two other sport in basketball and the NFL as a rookie. Now, when you're at shortstop as a rookie at 18 years old, no, you're out there alone. You can't be hidden by anybody. Nobody, you know what I mean. So the pressure that you were under. Uh, people uh, thinking about that is just got to be uh, insane. Now I know you don't handle pressure like that, but, but did, did you ever look around yourself and say, what the hell am I doing oh, here at 18 years I old? Think, <laughs> I think human nature says, and I don't care who it is that crosses your mind at some point in time. But you know, on the other side, it was like, you know, people will ask me, well, who's the toughest pitcher you ever faced? And, and, and there's, there's quite a few multiple answers on that, but I always give this name because they always they recognize the name and, and they recognize, uh, you know, that this guy was one of the best of all time. But Nolan Ryan, um, when I first got to the big leagues and Nolan Ryan was still with the California Angels at the time, you know, and he always threw hard, but he was effectively wild still at that particular time. He was intimidating. Well, he got me out a few times and it's like, you know, then that's when the compute com- competitive juices start coming. It's like, wait a second, man. This guy, you know, I'm tired of making right turns or anybody that's getting out. I got to figure out a way. And to get back to how do people become, you know, professional and good at what they're doing is that, you know, it starts kind of, you know, lighting the fire. It starts kind of irking you like, wait a second, man. I'm not, I'm not taking this, you know, lightly. I'm going to try to make it a little bit more difficult. 
And that's really what, again, I, somewhere in underneath, I had that, I guess. And, you know, I started getting upset at myself. Um, like, wait a second, man, this guy's taking food off my table. You know, I'm tired of making right turns, you know, and, and you know, the intimidation factor started to wear off a little bit. So, you know, facing him and some of the other Hall of Famers, it's really some of the studs that that I was playing against at that particular time. So, you know, you mature physically and mentally, you know, if you're going to play against the best and you're always looking for, you know, there's a challenge, there's a game within the game. There's always, you know, something that, okay, as soon as I started to go up the ladder and I started to try to figure, and I would go back to my basketball days about, you know, if a guy schooled me, you know, am I going to try to school him or what can I do to try to stop him or make it more difficult for him? to, you know, to score or to do, you know, take them out of their offense, stand in the way, you know, get in the passing lanes, whatever it may be. And that was just something my mind was always thinking about. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful that I had that, that little intangible that helped me, you know, become a good major league player. But I had that in basketball as well. I mean, again, we competed and we practiced and you saw how, you know, we went after it in, in practice, which set the tone for the game. Well, you know what? That still works today. You know, that good foundation when you're practicing, you know, as close as you can to game speed is what what it takes. And uh, fortunately, again, some of those mentors that I had, you know, coached me that way. And I bought in. I bought in completely. And then my number one mentor as a professional was Sparky Anderson. And he was along the same lines as all the coaches and teachers when we were growing up. And it was kind of more of a tough love. You know, the generations, each generation there's little changes and things like that. But, you know, our generation was more tough love, the way the coaches and the way the teachers, you know, trained us and taught us. But I bought in. I liked it. I, I honestly did. And, uh, you know, I look back now. I didn't realize it then, but I'm very thankful for the people that, you know, uh, that crossed in my life that that helped me. And, uh, you know, now as an older person, you know, I'm thinking back and scratching my head and I'm thankful and now I'm kind of a coach. I'm a mentor. I, I get to do a variety of things with the Tigers as my role as an assistant to the GM. They let me get involved in everything, and I take full advantage uh, because uh, I'm still a teacher and a coach in my own mind. Right. And I got to tell you, uh, going back, uh, uh, give a couple of shout-outs, but you were first team. Marty Hughes was player yep. of the year. We had say we had twelve players on that team. There was one player on that team, and I was sixteen as a junior. Uh, you were seeing there was one player on that team that intimidated the hell out of me, and that was you. You know, we had played at Sarah. Little, ra- raunchy, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh... No, 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 no. <laughs> no, you were, you were. Absolutely, and Alan uh, was addicted to these fruit rolls that he would eat uh, fast. Walking out of the locker room, you remember practice, that you got this yeah. roll. Hell yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but but on the court, you know, and, and what it was is because now now you know I was a college basketball coach. I get it exactly how you were, but back then right. I didn't get right. it. You, you want you were uh, the way you were on the court. First of all, point guard, captain. You wanted uh, to make the team the best you could, so we all uh, experienced success, and that's what you did. But I'll tell you, Alan, you know, especially when you come up with a, a behind-the-back pass that I wasn't ready for and hit me in the face <laughs> or something, and, and I, I don't even want to look at you. I can imagine what the look on your face, <laughs> you know. Well, but, but I'll tell you, 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 made, you made all of us better, even, even the seniors on well, that team. 
with, with how you were in practice. I appreciate that. But again, that goes back to, uh, you know, when the first year and, and uh, go, just going back into the high school. So back in the day then at Kearney and the city schools in San Diego, we were only a three-year high school, 10 through 12. You know, we went through junior high, seven through nine, and, you know, things have changed, but that was the way it was at that time. So when I stepped uh, onto the Kearney as a sophomore, that was the last team that went undefeated uh, in San Diego County history. Now, again, we didn't have state playoffs back in those days. Um, so, again, to go undefeated all the way through state, that would be, you know, nobody's done it yet in San Diego since. But the fact of the matter is, when I was a sophomore, I got invited uh, as a gym class. This is kind of how it all started, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously, I was into basketball at the time. And so I signed up for whatever the gym class. Well, they put all the basketball players together. And so they let the, the varsity guys kind of play together, even though the coach, they're not supposed to be practicing. They're not, but they were just kind of playing together. Well, they would include me. And I started playing against those guys and, you know, being a couple years older and, and, and they were better and more, you know, a little more physically mature. Um, I took my lumps, but as I was kind of mentioning, that, that kind of fueled my fires. Like, okay, well, if I want to compete at this level, you know, I'm going to have to make some adjustments. And so obviously they went 32 and 0 and they won the championship and we went JV and we kicked some butt ourselves. Um, but, you know, again, that was JV. So then, you know, the next year we have basically only Philip Thompson was coming back uh, and we did quite well, to be honest with you. And then our senior year, my senior year, um, your junior year, we, you know, we win it all and go 30 and two. But the, the, the sequence of when I was just got into high school and playing against those guys, it, it forced me to get better if I wanted to play at that level. I saw how they went about right. it. So, again, this is kind of fast forwarding a couple of years. So I took some of that, uh, you know, into my game. And you know, I was I, I, I guess I was always underneath there, even though I wasn't really big or weighed, you know, much, you know, basically six foot, 160 pounds. But I just had a little will, a little extra inside that I just wanted to, you know, wanted to do well. And uh, you know what? Right. I, I look back again when, as we're talking about that. Those are those are very fond memories. Um, you know, taking that uh, that net down because that 1976 was bicentennial. Uh -huh. I still have that net. I still have that <laughs> net. And wow. uh, you know, again, that um, as you can <laughs> see or hear in my voice. You know, it still means a lot to me, uh, even though there's been other accomplishments, but that ranked right up there. And uh, that was very special in my time, uh, in our time, to be honest with you. And again, it's in the print, yeah. you know, 1976, Absolutely. 75, 76, <laughs> Kearney Comets, CIF champs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I uh, have, have a, sure. a couple questions uh, from Karen Huggins, who is my significant other. Who also is Miller Huggins' cousin, a uh, New York Yankee great. Yes. Uh, back in the day. But her question is, and, and she doesn't know part of this, but she said, you know, I'm really interested to ask Alan about the pressure uh, coming in as a rookie. You know, you're always looking over your shoulder, uh, you know, someone uh, better's coming up. And she doesn't know this, but she used uh, the San Diego Padres as an example. You know, what if Allen would have got uh, drafted by the Padres with uh, Ozzie Smith there? Well, she doesn't know that the Padres drafted <laughs> Ozzie Smith in 77. But that, that was her comparison. Yeah. So, and even, even though I know that the Tigers were bringing up so the so-called right. young kids, did, did you ever uh, cross your mind or think about, you know, knowing you, I'm sure you didn't, but, you know, is there someone else that's going to be coming up that I'm going to have to battle with? Well, 
Yeah, that, that's you know, her question. But, well, I'd like to say I didn't, but I'm, that's not being truthful. Sure, but you know that that the fear of failure, and I've heard other uh, Wayne Gretzky is one, but I've heard it from other people. But the fear of failure is what drives a lot of people. And I was one of them is that I didn't want to embarrass myself. Now, as a baseball player, we all know that there's so many games and, you know, as a hitter, you can fail. You're going to fail a lot more times than you're going to be successful. But just that fear of failure and always being prepared. And I take I take that to the day to to this day. And again, one of my uh, my teachings to our younger Detroit Tiger players is being prepared. So the, the idea is behind, and I think people can relate to this, is if you're prepared for a test in school, I'm not going to say you're going to ace it, but if you're prepared, you feel like you're going to do well, and you normally do. Well, take that into sports. If you've practiced during the week the right way and you're prepared, and that's not to say you'll never make a mistake because we're human, that's going to happen. But it won't be a mistake that you go, oh, what the hell, you know, what happened? I wasn't prepared. I'd never thought about that. Again, you'll make less mistakes. So the theory is, and this came from Sparky, about if you make less mistakes than the other team, you have a better chance to win. It's like, boy, that's pretty elementary, isn't it? Very simple. But again, uh, yeah, absolutely. practice and practice the right way to take that into the game. So when the game comes, you're not surprised at what happens again. And then you'll eliminate more mistakes of most of the mistakes and I bought into that and I know it works there's no question about it so again to get back to like with the Padres and all and you know did I ever look over my shoulder you know what I did but I always had enough confidence that if I did those kinds of things and I took care of business that I was going to make it tougher on somebody and you know what Uh I did you know because for I played 20 years in the major leagues and I really never lost my job until to the very end when I was hurt and I knew that it was time to move on because we were kind of going in that same uh, direction uh, that when I first came into the organization we weren't very good we were getting older and it was time for a young somebody younger to come up and take my job but uh, I just was obsessed uh, about you know staying fit you know staying in shape uh, doing all the things in the off season you know it was a year-round job the way I looked at it and uh, you know I did everything uh-huh. in my power to keep that darn job well it sure worked uh, in the hall of fame so so you need to uh, start selling that in a jar well you, if they listen, have up there? you know it's a good formula it, it <laughs> does but some guys you know and you know being in sports Gary that you can tell this and and talk to young players um but then when you watch them practice or play you go "Mm -mm, that's not what i'm talking that they 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 give you the kind Uh of lip service but it's not and absolutely still have right on got to do it you've got to take it all the way to the end and you've got to again you've got to be obsessed i hate to say that's the word but i think people can understand that that's what it takes. It takes a little extra, extra, it takes some sacrificing. I mean, all the things that your parents will tell you that you need to do to be successful, but it's the truth. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, this this next question I have is, you and I talked about this, but, but I know a lot of people out there, the two sports star, the question to you, Alan, is, did your basketball skills and career make you a better baseball player or the other way, did your baseball skills 
make you a better basketball I player? I do believe it was the basketball skills made me a better baseball player, to be honest with you. Again, uh, uh-huh. we kind of touched on this a little bit in high school. And, and, you know, all three years that we played at Kearney, we had big crowds. I mean, we were, we were, we were one of the top teams in the, in the city all three years. And, you know, people came out. Baseball, I, I don't know if there was a handful that came out. So, you know, to play at that kind of level, and to be a point guard, you know, again, uh, again, things have changed as far as the way they, you know, they call a point guard or a one or a two or a three or a four or whatever. But we all know the difference when a guy handles the ball. That's basically the point guard. Well, that was my job, and I took pride in that. And so my job was was first of all, just like playing shortstop, defense was number one. Well, I thought that, you know. We all like to score, but I enjoyed a pass as much as scoring. And so I wanted to be good at basically everything I was doing. But a point guard has to see the whole court. Um, you have to run the offense, and you have to get people involved. And I felt that was my, that was my job. Now, as a shortstop, now to, where it helped me is now as a shortstop, I started to think the same way as far as being a point guard. I needed to see the whole field. I needed to know what every position was doing. I needed to know what, what all these things that were developing. And I really believe that the basketball being a point guard definitely helped me become a better major league shortstop for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. That, that, that is uh, what I kind of thought you were going to say, but I'm sure uh, people yeah, out there are shocked yeah, I, about what you just said. They, they, no, they would have thought the other. I know they go, to me, again, I've said they go hand in hand, but if you're asking me the question like you did, I do, do think that the basketball part, you know, helped me uh, understand that as a shortstop that I needed to just do. Mm. You know, you can't have tunnel vision, and, you know, obviously you're looking at the plate and you're following the ball, but it's more than that. And I guess that's my point is that you need to have right. a more peripheral vision as a point guard does. You got to see the whole court as a shortstop. You needed to see your peripheral vision. You needed to see basically the whole infield. Obviously you don't see behind you, but you know what happens. Like if you have to line up for a cutoff and relay, you know exactly where you, as soon as the ball's hit, you know where to go. And uh, I, I took a lot right. of pride in that. What, uh, Talk about your interest in basketball Ooh. today. I know uh, I you said it. you watch it. Still to this day. Um, it's probably my favorite sport to watch. I mean, other than, you know, obviously I'm a part of Major League Baseball. But, uh, you know, again, just the honesty about the basketball. And, you know, I remember as a young kid, you know, watching the game of the week like it wasn't baseball. Couldn't watch a game every day. Uh, and then going out in front of my, you know, in front of my garage and having my hoop and shooting. That's that's how it all evolved. And you know, uh-huh. you could do uh-huh. that basketball. You could yep. do that a little easier by yourself, even though you'd like to play against other guys. But sometimes that was you couldn't do that in baseball. You know, I could do certain things and throw my tennis ball against my garage and field work on my fielding and things like that. But a little more difficult. But you know, basketball. Uh, I just enjoyed the shape, the running up and down the court, uh, and that was one of the things that I felt. I was probably a little better at than most as being somebody that was kind of skinny and, and smaller. Uh, I used that to, to my advantage. I felt as far as I, not that you never got tired, but I thought I had a little more wind and I could go up and down that court a little more or longer than the other guy. And I, you know, that was kind of that mental mm-hmm. uh, part that I believed in my own heart that, 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 that helped me. So, you know, I was in your face. I was kind of, you know, this and that. I, I appreciate Coach Short. 
you know, I don't know if you realize this, but when I uh, played, you know, Marty Hughes and yourself, they used to put you guys on more of the tougher scores. Um, and sometimes in the matchup, you know, I had to do my part. But for the most part, Coach Short used to allow me to go to the weaker guy and be able to kind of freelance and play the passing lanes and do some of the things that, you know, I was probably you know fairly good at and make some steals in that. But if I was on somebody a little tougher, obviously you couldn't do that. I had to stay on my man. But he had the, right. he had the forethought. He could see that, that that's kind of was my nature. And that's good coaching. You know, he allowed me to do that, and it helped our team. And so, you know, you guys had to stick with some of those scores a little bit more. And, you know, I got to freelance and do this and that. But it, it all worked out. Um, so I'm not complaining mm-hmm. in that regard. I look back and, and uh, <laughs> I didn't realize it then, but I look at it now that, you know, he knew exactly what he was doing it uh, and it made us a better team there. But uh, uh, you're asking me about basketball uh-huh. and who I follow. I mean, you know, I love the college game, but the pro, I mean, I got to start with LeBron. I mean, he deserves that. He's uh, uh, he's one of the all time best for sure. And if I'm not mistaken, he's kind of more of a, a point guard, point forward. He does it all, doesn't he? I mean, you know, he right, yeah, yeah, he does. Uh-huh. You know, Steph, Steph, Cur- uh-huh. Steph Curry, uh, or Steph, excuse me, he's got his brother. No, Steph, Steph is the uh-huh. is the big one, and Luca. Um, you know, now with the, with Dallas and John Morant uh, in in the Grizzlies, that's just a few of them. But again, these are all guys that are your guards that uh, they handle the ball, they do some things, they can shoot, do a little bit of everything, but. Uh, you know, I still love the game, and uh, you know, I follow it as much as I can. Uh, what coach uh, do you see that that gets it? Meaning, uh, how you think and your philosophy? Is there an well, NBA head coach out there stands out? UCLA days, I got to give a shout out to John Wood, and that's out of all the people I've I have met. Unfortunately, I never got a chance to meet him. I've read his books. Obviously, I will know who he was. Um, but I never got a chance to meet him, man. And I, I really would have wished to, uh, to have met him, but coach K, yeah. uh, I happen I've met him a few times over the years and at Duke, um, you know, there's other good ones as well, but coach K stands out as the guy that, uh, he's been doing it for such a long time and done it with integrity and done it the right way. In my opinion, mm-hmm. um, you know, he stands out for me as far as, uh, you know, top of the line today. Right. What point guard that you've seen over the years uh, emulates what you're all um, about? What point guard? Well, I, I didn't have his style, but when I was playing in Detroit, there was a guy named Isaiah Thomas who was pretty damn good. And I definitely uh, wasn't that kind absolutely. of player. You know, he was more uh, flashy. But again, man, he was tough. He was tough as nails. And he played uh, that era. They called it the bad boys. Um, you know, he was, he was a guy that, uh, you know, he was one of the top point guards, you know, in basketball and basically, you know, in basketball history, I'm a Laker fan. So going back to the day, you know, Jerry West was my idol when I was a young boy. Uh, and then, you know, as I got, a, you know, Magic Johnson, when he came into the NBA, him and Larry Bird, but Magic being a Laker fan, uh, uh, you know, what still to this day, um, you know, nobody's played like him at that size. And done what he's done, but uh, there's been right. a lot of good ones. But those are those are just a few of them. Well, there's one that stands out that I always thought was uh, the oh, NBA Alan Tremble. That's John Stockton, yeah. the great guard. 
I always felt that you that you guys were actually played similar thought. You know, more than anything, uh, your mind was the well, same. I appreciate thought, that. I mean, he's same a thing. Good so, one too. Um, Hall of Famer and and part of the dream team. Yep. Part of that dream team. Absolutely. But, uh, no, I mean, again, I I think I I, I you're taking that obviously as a compliment that you know he was a he was a, a dish first guy. He scored as well, but you know he was trying to get his teammates. Uh, uh, Carl Malone, in particular, absolutely. Sure, Carl Malone was very happy. The male, <laughs> um, but that's John right. Stockton that's was, right. Uh, was was a, one of the best of all time for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, to let the listeners know, when when Alan and I first talked, you know, I called to get some input. Uh, what he thought for basketball players, even whether they're high major, college, or NBA. And when I first presented that to Alan, he kind of said, well, you know, Gary, kind of didn't agree, I think. But then as we talked, I, I, I sensed that Alan got a little more interested. He could see what I was talking about, how much value you have, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, the, thing, the things that you uh, will take that you can apply to other sports. So I want to touch upon that, what you think made you a great baseball player. The, the, some of those points that the basketball players that are listening, uh, you know, football coaches. Well, I think, out. you know, in a, in a roundabout way, I've touched on a few, but we'll kind of go in, in the order as far as, uh, you know, what it takes. And really, it, 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 it doesn't matter what sport. It's going to apply to all of them and really not just sports. I mean, to be honest with you, if you're going to be successful in business, it's going to be it's going to be the same stuff that you're going to go. Oh God, here we go. The cliches about you know the structure, the discipline, and just being obsessed about doing the things on a daily basis. But it's the truth. And again, I said that before, and I'm going to continue to kind of to 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 harp on that. That if you're going to be successful, those are the things that are a given. Uh, obviously, you have to have some ability, uh, and you have to be somewhat open-minded. And uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I didn't do as good a job of when I was younger is that I didn't listen as well as I needed to. But when I got into professional baseball, I started to recognize, again, I touched on that just briefly about the competition was so much better. Uh, I come out of high school, you know, and I hit, you know, 450 to 500 and, you know, I did very, very well and it was very confident in my ability. Well then lo and behold, when they sent me back, you know, to Bristol, Virginia, I'm running into much better competition. Well, let's go to whatever sport you're in. And you go to a major college or so, even if it's a regular college compared to high school, the competition is so much better. Well, what are you going to do to make an adjustment? Are you going to listen to the coach that's going to tell you that there's maybe a few things that you don't really want to hear, but you need to hear because he's trying to help you become better? You've got to be open minded. And the ones that do are the ones and then apply the, the discipline and the structure that you need to each and every day when you go to practice to prepare yourself, as I mentioned, uh, those are the kinds of things. And again, it's just being, it's somewhat redundant, but that's just how it is. You know, there's gotta be that structure on a regular basis. And uh, we've been going over Zoom calls with, uh, with our organization, um, you know, getting ready for spring training. And we're going over some of the same things, these same things that are gonna apply to football, basketball, baseball, mm -hmm. hockey, golf, um, you know, CEO of a company. Uh, these are the kinds of things that, uh, you know, if you really want to be better at what you're doing, you need to take a step back to listen a little bit and to apply some of these. And uh, it'll definitely guarantee, guarantee it, it'll help. 
<laughs> Absolutely. We're going to wind this down. I know you got calls. We have one more question from sure. Miller uh, Huggins' cousin, Karen. And uh, kind of a funny question. She wants to know how many hide the ball <laughs> tricks you did in your uh, major league baseball career. Because Miller Huggins leads the major well, leagues with honestly, eight. Honestly, I never so. did. I never got away with it. I must say, I tried it. I tried to flip the ball and hold it. And and being that at second base, um, you know, you don't have as many opportunities to do that. But I will say, uh, there was a shout out to a first baseman that we had at the during Detroit through much of my career by the name of Dave Bergman, who did that twice. And he did it. He did it once to. I think you know, again, this is going back a few years. But a guy named Ozzie Gian, who used to play shortstop for the Chicago White Sox, and he was all amped yep. up and and uh, he. As soon as the pitcher threw over, you know, when you first baseman would throw the ball back to the pitcher, he would jump off real quick. Well, Bergie, you know, to his credit, you know, he <laughs> faked it. Just like I said, he gave him an arm fake like he threw it back, and he just held on to the ball, and Ozzie popped right off and, and popped him. Uh, and the other one, I don't remember the name. I know it was against Baltimore, um, but I have seen it a few times. Uh, but you know what? You can't fault him for trying for sure, but I can't say – Kim, that I ever got a chance to do it and do it where I had an out. I, I, I tried, but I didn't. I, I, I wasn't effective. So sorry about that. Well, I'll, I'll let her know. I'll let her know. And and we're going to let you go. But but I want to thank you so much, Alan, for being on the Be Legendary podcast. And we're going to use you again in the future for, uh, you know, advice to, for player development and really appreciate it. And one shout out to Steve Running, who actually helped me hook this up with you, Alan. So I want to thank Steve Running for this, and uh, thank you so much, Alan. Alan, thank you so much for being a part of the Be Legendary podcast. Well, Gary, it's been my pleasure, again, reminiscing a little bit, going back to our high school Kearney High days, and uh, that's good stuff, man. All the best to you, and uh, look forward to talking to you again real soon. All right. Thank you, sir. I uh, appreciate you, and uh, we'll be right back. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And remember, uh, if you got something out of it, uh, give back, share, and we will see you next week. Thank you.